<laughs> Praise the Lord. Years ago, I heard a preacher say as he says, he says, um, uh, uh, we, the question came up, what is more than an overcomer? I just, this song reminds me of, or, you know, more than a conqueror. What's more than a conqueror? What does it mean? He says, well, it's like this. He says, a prize fighter goes into the ring. Now he trains hard, and he works hard, and he basically comes up against the opponent. And that, oppo that, that opponent falls to his challenge, and basically he becomes a conqueror. He goes home to his wife, and he takes the prize money, the paycheck, and he hands it to the wife. She's more than an overcomer. <laughs> My wife reminded me of that <laughs> during this song. <laughs> so that's, that's about how it goes. So Jesus went and took care of all, went through all the cross, but we become, we get, uh, hands us the paycheck, we get to become more overcomers. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Uh, I got a message this morning. I hope it's going to bless you. It's interesting how I came about this message this week. Um, I mean, besides the Lord sharing it to me. Last week, at the end of the service, as I do it after, and when I say end of the service, really at the end of the service, end of the live stream portion of the service, we go ahead and I go, uh, I pray for people that are here in, this, in the sanctuary in the congregation. Doing that last week, and uh, I just got done teaching on the sower and the seed and so on and so forth. We went through all that. At the end, almost at the end of the message, towards the, uh, I came up with the scripture uh, that was Mark, 20, uh, Mark 4, 24, where it talked about the measure. Remember, how many remember I said that? What happened was, what I, I didn't realize what I said. I, I got it in a, towards the end of the message. I said, we, we talked about it a little bit. And then I went ahead and started praying for people. And when I started praying for people, God began to share. He says, he's, as, I, as I laying in, first of all, I prayed for all the leadership. I said, and, and as I laying hands on people, uh, uh, God was saying, capacity, capacity, capacity. He says, pray for increased capacity. And I really didn't understand, but I just listened to the Holy Spirit and increased capacity. So I, I was, <laughs> this past week, I, I, I wake up Monday morning, I said, what is this capacity? And, uh, and right away, he gives me a title, increased capacity. That's the title of the message this morning. I said, what's this increased capacity? And boy, when I started unveiling the scriptures, my goodness, uh, it, I hope you get blessed in this message this morning, but it is, it is a revelation that we all need, but it's like, it's like one of these crucial things that if we can accomplish this in our life and expand our capacity, then God will give us more. And that's basically what it is. Uh, before I get into that part though, a couple things I wanna share with you. The word capacity uh, uh, basically means this, is the dictionary definition, if you're looking for definitions, means the maximum amount something can contain. The maximum amount something can contain. Once it's there, the next thing it's doing is overflowing. Uh, remember I showed you the water bottle. I said, in, in our terms, this is a full water bottle. Took the lid off. But then when I poured more water and it began to overflow, that's biblical terms. That's Jesus' terms for full. But he, says, he said, all those that thirst come to me who thirst, and out of your bellies will flow rivers of living water. A thirst turns into rivers. You, get, you got that. This is how God thinks. He doesn't think, well, this step, and then the next thing, this step. This is how we think, a analytically think about things. But what God is saying, no, he says, I'll take, it, I'll take your thirst, I'll turn it into a river. And it will flow rivers of living water will come out of you when God comes into us. Amazing, uh, uh, the things that God has, has, has done. God, uh, uh, I put this, I'll read for my notes a little bit, and I want to share some scriptures with you. Um, God fulfills all of his promises, but he's not obligated to fulfill your potential. God will fulfill all your promises, but he's not obligated to fulfill your potential. Sometimes God gives, gives us a promise that carries with it an invitation to a potential, a possibility, to a realm of maturity, or a development, or increased capacity. It carries with it. So a lot of times God's promise carries that with us, but it's up to us to release the potential. Now God has it, and he has an invitation for us to release that same potential. Amen? But if a person uh, can be a Christian, they can do all the things and say all the things, but if they don't do anything about it, if they don't walk the walk, then basically their Christianity stays dormant, and what happens is their capacity begins to shrink. Well, let me give you some encouragement. Uh, I've got some things in the scriptures that I call absolutes. There's absolutes that will not change no matter what. You, you, you can't interpret any other way. This is an absolute. So one of the main absolutes, one of my favorite absolutes in the scripture is Jeremiah 29, 11. Some of you probably get this memorized. But the Lord says this. I'll read it on the New King James Version. It says, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. 
He says, thought, uh, thoughts, I'll get back to that in a minute. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. I looked up that word thought. Amen? Because we're, we're reading the English translation out of a Hebrew Bible. But the fact is, is, is what he's saying. He says, I know the thoughts that I think you, thoughts of peace. The word thoughts actually means, from the Hebrew word, it means plan and purpose. I know the plan and purpose I have for you. And my plan and my purpose, I'm, I'm putting it into myself, I'm paraphrasing, but a plan and my purpose of peace, not of evil. To give you a future and a hope. Isn't it, 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 I love it, because God says, this is what I think about you. We, we always often hear what people think about God. But what, is, what about what God thinks about us? That's import, more important to me than what other people think about me. Sh or should be. Right? What God thinks. He said, no. He said, i got a plan for your life. i got a purpose for you. He said, and my thoughts towards you is for that plan and purpose. Amen. Now, God has already set that. Amen? And, and, and we often wonder. I, 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 I was, Diane and I went diving on Thursday. Again, there was a guy on the dive boat. And he was pouring out his heart. He was sharing. Once, he found, once they told, somebody told him that I was a pastor, he was, you know, I was just out there having fun. But anyway, he's, and being to pour out his heart and different things like that. And I says, you know, I says, I says, here's what it's like. He said, well, how could God allow this? How could God allow that? And different things like that. And I said, brother, I said, I said, understand something. I said, back in Genesis, I says, God said this to Adam. He says, you take dominion over the earth, and I'll keep my dominion in heaven. Now, is it true that God owns everything? He owns everything. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He owns everything in the earth. But he's given the, the deed or the lease, not the deed, but the lease he's given to Adam. Adam sinned and turned that over to Satan. So we live, basically live in a fallen world is what, what happens. Now, if, if, if I was to own a house and you were a tenant of that house, I own the property, I own the house, I pay the taxes on it, it's my house, but you have the renter's right to be in there. I can't enter that house anytime I feel like it. I have to get your permission to come into property that I own. Isn't that true? Yes, sir. Absolutely true. Yes, sir. Amen. So when Adam sinned and gave the deed title over to Satan, that left God on the outside. And now when we're inviting him in to a circumstance, now he can come in because we have the authority over the house that he owns. Yes. <laughs> I hope that clears up for you a little bit uh, there. So it's not God allowing a lot of times, if we're honest with ourselves, it, it, it's us allowing. Whether either by ignorance or whatever reason, sometimes we allow it. And, and, and uh, Jesus said this, he said, the thief comes but to kill, still kill and destroy. I came to give you life and life more abundant. So God, and, and, and that's another absolute I like. <laughs> and Jeremiah 29, I just read, I know the thoughts that I think towards you. What does that have to do with the capacity? Until we get God straightened out in our mind of what he's all about, our capacity will stay diminished. Now, a uh, little bit of story about myself. Uh, um, Diane and I got married uh, um, 50 years ago. Uh, we were married 50 years. I was 19. She was 18. Uh, we celebrated our 50th wedding anniversary. I guess it was last, was it last week already? Or week, week, two weeks ago? May 20, I know May 22nd. Dates ever etched in my brain. I'll never forget it. Anyway, <laughs> but, uh, but what happened was when we came together, we didn't have a, a clue of what was about to unfold. We were blessed the fact that we found the Lord early in our marriage. I think we were about five or six years in. Uh, we found the Lord and began to learn things. As we began to learn things and as our marriage began to grow, so did the capacity. The capacity for everything. The capacity to deal with problems. The capacity to raise children. That's the way. You need a big capacity right there uh, to raise children. And, and, and what happens in our marriage our relationship begin to gain the capacity to uh, take all these other things in. But before that, without that capacity increase, we would be ill-equipped to handle anything that come up. Amen? Amen. So what, what limits our capacity? Glad you asked the question. Now can I unfold it for the next <laughs> 45 minutes? <laughs> because that, that is about as complicated, uh, complex, I should say, as each one of our DNA is. <laughs> so, but anyway, um, I was, 
Another thing the Lord shared with me this week, I'll get some stuff I share, I'll get back into the measure in a minute. Uh, uh, but the other thing he shared was Proverbs chapter 3, 6. And this is a key now, this is a key to capacity. So Proverbs chapter 3, verse 6, it says, In your, all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. How many know that scripture? In all your ways. That means your good ways, your bad ways, the, your, your, your pleasant ways, your grumpy ways. Uh, you know, all your way, all your ways acknowledge him. I guarantee if we did that, we would live differently. If we did that, we would say things differently, wouldn't we? All of us would. I'm, I'm including myself in on that too. Uh, uh, praise the Lord. I, again, I started looking at the word acknowledge and I noticed that in Hebrew, there's two words. Both are translated acknowledge in, the, in, in our English Bible. Uh, but in Hebrew, there are actually two different meanings for, the, for what we translate as acknowledge. In this particular one, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 6, it says, it, it says that in our ways, all our ways acknowledge him. And the word in Hebrew is yada. Probably not saying it right, so if you understand Hebrew and you don't like my accent, it's because I don't speak Hebrew. But anyway, but yada means to know, observation, or recognition. But there's another word that's also used. That's, that's the word acknowledge in this verse. But there's also another word acknowledge that we have to also, uh, uh, that's called nakar. And nakar so it means to scrutinize, to look intensely at. So the same word that we have acknowledged, are we acknowledging God to, yes, we know and recognize this was God. Or, was it, or are we looking at a scrutiny, acknowledge? Because it doesn't say here in Proverbs, acknowledge all your ways. It says, yada. Uh, it says, in all your ways, yada him. Amen. Amen? So there is a, there, the, but we wouldn't know the difference. This is the same word in English unless we break the thing apart. But the fact is, isn't there an acknowledgement that's a scrutinizing? Hmm. A judgmental kind of acknowledgement. Hmm. Praise the Lord. So I guess there's a couple ways we can do that. Getting back to to uh, what I shared with you last week, I was you know, talking about a measure. How many know uh, measure can be measured in different ways? Uh, um, basically, it's volume. Uh, so if you have a container and you fill it up, that's whatever that container will hold, if it's 32 ounces or 64 ounces, whatever, that's how much fluid you can put into that thing. How many know if I had, if, if I had three different, uh, uh, I did this years ago, I had a, a visual aid, I had three different uh, jars. One had rocks, the other had sand, and the other had water. And all the jars are the same size. I says, which one holds more? They're all the same. They're all the same. But now I could take the jar of water and I could pour it in the sand and it wouldn't overflow. I could take the jar of water and put it into the rocks and there's enough places for it to be in the, into the rocks. So basically volume depends also on what we have in there. What do we meditate on? What are we, what are we looking for? Because basically that takes up our volume. But we know water is a good symbol, though, of the word going forth and, and, and how God wants to pour into us. Remember, Jesus said, if you thirst, come to me, and, I'll, and I'll, your belly will flow rivers of living water. Amen. So God wants us not just to be full, but to overflowing. Why? Because God's fullness for us, regardless of our capacity, our overflowing is not for us, but for other people. God says, I'll meet your need if you can meet the needs of other people. Given it shall be given unto you, pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall men give unto your bosom. That was another scripture I had in there. But anyway, so we talked about measure, and I realized something. I realized that in, within us, we can change our capacity. We can actually change our capacity. Jesus said this. Let me, give, let me go ahead and give you a scripture so you got a good scripture foundation. In Mark 20, uh, chapter 4, verse 24, it says, Then he said unto them, this is Jesus talking to his disciples, he said, Take heed to what you hear. I shared this with you last week. Take he heed to what you hear. Those pay attention to what you hear. With the same measure you use, not a different one, the same measure you use, it'll be measured unto you, and you will hear more, uh, and, and to you who hear more, more will be given. And I said this in a statement, I said, I said this can work to the positive or to the negative. Uh, somebody shared to me after, after, I think it was Saray, she says, well, I only heard that used to the negative. Isn't that a shame? Because Jesus didn't mention either one, not positive or negative. So in other words, whatever measure, he's saying whatever it is, whatever the volume is, he says, whatever you receive in 
is going to be what you can pay out. So so take heed of what you hear so that what you're putting out is the thing that's going to be uh, glorious. Amen. So so I understood that that we have a measurement within us. Uh, It's not a physical measurement, you know, or, or whatever. I also notice this. Now, I'm a scuba diver, so if it get too technical for you, just, you know, give me a timeout. But anyway, I, I, was, I was scuba, and I thought about, I was thinking about this message Thursday when I was on the, on the, on the dive boat. And we use scuba tank. How many of you ever seen a scuba tank in a picture or whatever? Maybe you're the diver. Well, what we use is an 80 cubic foot, that's the size of the tank, uh, um, uh, aluminum uh, scuba tank is what we're using. Now, that's only 80 cubic foot. I mean, it's only this big. 80 cubic foot, to give you an idea, this is going to be difficult because I'm going to date myself, but does anybody remember a phone booth? Okay. At this pressure, atmospheric pressure, 80, uh, the phone booth would be full of air. This is a phone booth. You know, Somebody said to me, he said that uh, Superman isn't around anymore because they don't use phone booths. <laughs> anyway, I don't know if it's true. But a scuba, 80 cubic foot aluminum scuba tank is about approximately volume-wise, the same volume as a phone booth. But the phone booth is this big and a scuba tank is this small. How can the volume? Oh, I forgot one little figure. It's 80 cubic foot at 3,000 PSI pressure, pounds per square inch. Now, it, you can't in that particular scuba tank because it would be too dangerous, but you can, if you overfill that tank, you can actually put more in it by adding more pressure. So you see, volume is relative. So it's not according to your size. Well, the bigger person must have a bigger volume. No, no, it doesn't work like that. You can have a person as big as a phone booth and another person the size of a scuba tank. Guess what? They can both hold 80 cubic foot of, of, of space. So it, it's, not, it's not the same. So, so volume, yes, is volume, but it also, deter, it, it also the pressure drives. This sounds like a physics class board. <laughs> Sorry, forgive me. All right, anyway, we'll get back to the, to the thing. But Jesus said, whatever measure you use, he didn't say what measure. He said, whatever measure you use, that's going to be measured back to you. Now, uh, right away, you want to use what's sowing and reaping. No, 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 no. He didn't say whatever you sow, you're going to reap back. That's, that's another principle. But he was talking about not sowing a particular thing. He's talking about a measurement. So what I want to know, I said, what would reduce our measurement? Because wouldn't it be better to have more of God and less of the world? So if I'm, if I'm measuring, if I'm, you know, he started this by saying, take heed of what you hear. So our ears have something to do with our volume uh, of, of, of what we can contain. So if we feed ourselves on a negative of the world, amen? See, we get to set the measure. Here's the thing. God doesn't set the measure with this. We get to set the measure. Because he said, what, with the same measure you use. Not what he uses, what you use. He says, so the same measure you use. So we set the measure, whatever that measure is. Okay? Uh, I don't know if you're a 30-liter Christian or a 15-gallon Christian or whatever. You know, we, don't use labels. I was just uh, being facetious. But the fact is, we set the measure, uh, and it will be given to us in a true or the negative sense. So if I, if, if I do nothing but focus on the world and its problems and all its, the questions that I can't answer, questions you cannot answer, questions that are impossible to answer will drive you cuckoo. I know that's not a technical term, but I mean, you know, basically. But do you ever notice that when we're depressed or feeling bad, we always try to answer questions that it's impossible for us to answer? Worse yet, ministers try to fill in the blanks of Questions that they possibly couldn't answer or have the answer for. And what happens is when you don't have the answer for it, it becomes speculation. He's not talking about what happens that speculation is taking up the volume, is taking up the space that God had reserved for his word, that God has reserved for his promise, that God wants you to do right now or tomorrow. And it takes that up. So basically, this is, this is what it comes down to. So we're reducing our measure. We're reducing the ability what God has, uh, can put into us uh, simply by by, if I quote the scripture, uh, taking the cares of this world. It reduces our, our ability, and it reduces our ability. I was remembering, uh, it was 30, about 34 years ago, I guess when I first started in full-time ministry, I was in ministry longer than that, but full-time ministry about 34 years ago. And I thought about how when I first started out in ministry, 
how many, I thought the, the simplest task that I don't even give a second thought to now became such a challenge. Can you imagine? I had to get up every Sunday and share a message. No, that, I'm just sharing midweek. And, and, you know, and I had to come up with something fresh and new every week. Can you imagine that? Now I do it without even thinking. I mean, it's just uh, basically what you get of is a preaching off my overflow. <laughs> but, but, but starting out, it looked impossible. What happened? Through faithfulness and through the study and through uh, practice of what God was showing me and taking revelation, he was expanding my capacity. But if I could, I could restrict that capacity by holding back or not even endeavoring in what he was sharing with me. For fear, for fear of persecution, maybe, uh, uh, you know, uh, being intimidated by, you know, not knowing a lot of things or experiencing a lot of things can go ahead and cause us to shrink back and shrink our capacity. Am I helping anybody this morning? I praise the Lord. Uh, uh, Anyway, God does not give us information. I put this in my notes. I'm going to give give it to you anyway. I thought it was pretty good. God does not give us information to make us smarter. God doesn't care how smart you are. (laughs) <laughs> All right, hallelujah. <laughs> he, but he doesn't care about how smart he, he gives us information, the information God gives us, he gives us information to become more Christ-like. Because I, I like what it said, what, what Paul comes up with, uh, because God just uses a different analogy. He said he'll take the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. He'll take the seemingly wise things of this world and, 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 and just confound them with foolishness. I mean, so, so, so God isn't concerned as much about your intelligence as, 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 intelligence as it is your Christ-likeness. And Christ-likeness is going to come out of that capacity in which we can retain his word. And we, we can retain not just his word, but challenging. Amen? Uh, uh, the challenges in life. If, as, we, uh, we, as we pass or fail, regardless of how it comes up, uh, uh, is expanding us. Experience that we have. Uh, so many people say that, that uh, wisdom comes from experience. Thank God I have, uh, uh, I have age and wisdom, but I have the wisdom that God has given me supernaturally. That, is, I think, is more valuable than what I had to learn the hard way. Amen? Amen. How many of you, you beat your head against the wall? It's not, not going to take you very long, uh, less than 30 seconds, to find out that hurts. Okay, that's the kind of wisdom man has. God will tell you, say, listen, just speak to the wall, get out of your way, and nobody will get hurt. <laughs> you know, or use your foot to kick it down; it won't hurt your head. <laughs> but all right, praise the Lord. A bad analogy. I'll go on. Anyway, praise the Lord. So this is this is what we're going. So as I was getting back to my story, praising as I was praying for people last week, he kept saying, "Increase capacity, increase capacity." Uh, so I believe from that time last week that whatever individual I prayed for, lay hands on, that God was sitting there working with you to increase the capacity. We have time, we get testimonies, but your capacity to receive his word, receive his promise, receive his insight, receive his purpose. Remember what Jeremiah said, he said, the, the thoughts I think towards you or the plan and purpose I have towards you. This is where we, this is where we hit the sweet spot, if I can call it that, is when we get connect to the plan and purpose. How many people have told me over the years as a minister, as a pastor, I just don't want my purposes. Okay, well, let me give you, a, for instance, if, if God was to say such a, it always think of something that they would never do. But God said, that's your purpose, what would you do? Because it's not the things in which we want to hear God share with us, it's some of the times it's those things that we don't think are possible for us to do, whether they're not smart enough, not strong enough, or, or whatever. I remember what I first, uh, I was a member of this when I first went to Africa, in the mission field. I spent quite a few, some time in the mission field. Not a lot of time, but sometimes. And I'd be gone four or five weeks at a time. I never thought about it. But when I was gone, my wife was here, keeping things going to the church. And keeping the church kept going. And, and five weeks in West Africa one time. Uh, and, and it was amazing. I said, God, why am I here? The missionaries are doing a great job. They don't need me here. Sometimes you feel like a burden because you're a guest that they, they want to they serve you. And all, all I'm doing is, is putting, uh, why, what am I here for? I'm certainly not here to elevate self. Uh, 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 there's, you know, there's no prestige in, West Afri- in the place of West Africa that I went to, that's for sure. Uh, uh, a lot of demonic activity, a lot of different things, a lot of poverty. And it was dif- difficult. Uh, malaria, different diseases were in rampant 
we believe in God every morning for your protection and, and everything. Well, what am I doing here? And God told me this. He says, he said, because I need you to be in this place. He said, geographically, not uh, uh, virtually, uh, but geographically in this place. And then what I learned as I was studying this, God brought me back to the time I was in, in West Africa. First was, was Ghana and then it was Ivory Coast and, and, and different things. And he says, right then, he says, I was, I was expanding your capacity to receive from me back then that you're going to be using in the future, even beyond now. What he, was, what he was showing me. So the experience, I thought, oh, man, this is, this is horrible. Uh, I would have I paid anything in American dollars for an air-conditioned room. <laughs> I mean, this, the simple things in life like air conditioning. This is how we survived the tropics, air conditioning. But, uh, but he, said, he said, no, he said, back then I was working. We, different things that we cast off to the side as, as nothing, but experiences, whether good or bad experiences, God can use that thing to expand your capacity to receive more revelation, more word, which is not just about to heal you, but basically carry over to other people. You got to understand when God looks at you, he sees you, but he's looking at all the other people that are around you that you can influence. And this is what people miss. This is what people miss. Amen. Anyway, uh, he also said in Luke, now here's, here's another example in Luke uh, um, that says this in Luke chapter 6 and verse 38. He says, give and it will be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over will I put into your bosom or put into yourself. He says, for with the same measure, there it is again, with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. So two things, what we hear is measured back. What we give is measured back again. How many know the principles? So whatever measure you put forward. Uh, we had an offering this morning. So basically, if, uh, if you uh, put whatever it is in the offering, uh, God's going to give you 30, 60, 100 fold. How many believe in 30, 60, 100 fold return? Well, good. You keep, keep believing that. That's good. There's nothing wrong with that. But we limited God in looking for the same thing back. What if he gave you, what if you put into the offering but what God did is expand your capacity to understand better healing or have a revelation and walk in health. How much would you pay for good health? Amen. Only our health uh, care insurance provider knows the answer to that. <laughs> but are, are you here? So we're looking for one means, okay? But God isn't looking because he's looking at capacity. He's looking at whatever measure you come forward, I'm going to measure that back to you. It can include money but it can also include all other things that, that money cannot buy. Because remember what Jesus said, come to me thirsty, dry, uh, don't have a lot of stuff, and out of your belly are full rivers of living water. Rivers of living water. So a thirst turns into rivers. What's in that river? Everything that God wants us to have, everything at capacity, but we have to have the, cap the, the capacity to receive because God will hold back. Now, last week I was telling you about the, uh, truth uh, concealed, truth revealed. Okay, the fact is, is, is our truth reveals, truth concealed, that God has to conceal things to us because we do not have the capacity to receive what he has for us at the time. Amen. I'm telling you, if, if God spoke to me uh, uh, 30 years ago and said, you know, you're going to go to Key West, you're going to be a pastor here, forget it. I lived in Florida. I know what Key West is. I said, uh-uh. Why? My capacity wasn't there. So how did God get my capacity to? Here I am. 31 years later, still here, you know, uh, in, in Key West. How did he get, how did my capacity get here? He brought me other places from here. He said, from here, he said, I'm gonna, you're going to have an international ministry and, and go other places. This is exactly what we did. Amen. So what happens, but before I could do that, I had to get used to the fact that God wanted me here. Regardless of what you see around us or see what we've built over the years, he still, God wanted me here. As long as I'm where God has placed me, my capacity is going to be there to receive. Geographical location does matter, but more than geographical location is our location on where God has us at the time. I'm not talking about geographical location. I'm talking about our spiritual growth and our capacity. Amen. Am I helping anybody? Yes. Some of you are just looking at me. Okay. Praise the Lord. Is that clear? All right. Praise the Lord. Now, Jesus said, I'm going to, another scripture to prove my point. Jesus said this, he said in John chapter 16, verse 12, I'll give you a bunch of scripture this morning. That's okay, well, I'll, I'll give you some scripture, I'll talk some. He said this, he says, 
I still have many things. This is what Saint talks to his disciples. I still have many things to say to you. That was Jesus' statement. But I cannot, uh, he said, but you cannot bear them now. He says, I have many things I want to say to you, but you're not able to bear it. In other words, your capacity to receive what I have for you right now, is just in there, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to hold back. That's what he's saying. How many remember the, 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 the story in the book of Numbers, Numbers 13, where Moses sent out the 12, 12 spies? How many remember that story? To spy out the promised land. The promised land that Abraham was given as a promise by God, uh, the land, you know, uh, where the Canaanites lived, and they were going to have to go ahead and take back the land, but this was a land that was inherited to them. Still Israel today, still the same land. It's still, uh, they have it by biblical inheritance, uh, regardless of what anybody wants to say about it. Uh, they, they, they still own the land. So he said, but I'm going to give you the land. So he said, I want you to send out 12 spies. 12 spies for one for every uh, tribe of Israel. So one representative was a spy. And how long did he send them out for? 40 days. They had 40 days, just over a month, to examine a whole uh, nation of Israel. Uh, land mass about the size of the state of New Jersey. <laughs> Anybody's not been there. It's not a very big country. So he sent them out. Then what happens, they came back with the port. How many remember the port? Okay, the report came back, says, it's a land flowing milk and honey. It is absolutely, they, I mean, they even brought some grapes back on a pole. Said, look at the size of these grapes. We just picked these grapes. I mean, you just stumble over these things. Now think about it. They had to go incognito into the land, spy it out, and come back out and, and, and steal some grapes while they were there. And, and came back and showed the people all the good things, and they saw all the good things. And Joshua and Caleb begin to be a good report. Let's go up and take the land. God's given us the land. This is our inheritance. But then what happened? Something happened. A shift happened. Now, let me, before I, you know the ending of the story, but let me share something with you. These are the same people that every morning saw a miracle of God. Every morning, without fail. If they didn't, they would have starved. It's called manna. And God supernaturally dropped manna from heaven. They had to go out and pick it up, but they dropped manna from heaven. And every morning they saw a miracle of God, not to mention the miracle of the Egyptians, the most powerful army on the planet at that time, was consumed by God uh, for their protection and how he protected them against all, all kinds of, everything. He protected, and provided for them. All. These are the same people that saw the supernatural miracles of God every single day without fail. But yet when it came to taking this land, all of a sudden the giants, the descendants of Anak, uh, all of a sudden became bigger than God. And the problems became something that God can't handle when God had promised it. Hmm, isn't amazing what happened. They got so used to the miracles, this is my take on it, they got so used to the miracles that they, the capacity to be able to fight and grow something on their own begin to reduce. What happened when, uh, fast forward, past Moses for a minute, go to Joshua, he goes into the land, guess what happened? Guess what ended the day they crossed the River Jordan? Guess the first thing that ended? Manna. Manna stopped. Now, if they want to eat, they're going to have to grow the food. Besides what they had in their store, they had to grow the food out of the land. That means they got to till the land. It was a whole different scenario. I mean, someone said, well, let's go back to the wilderness where God took care of us. We had, a, we had a Holy Ghost retirement going right on right there. I mean, we just, we just wake up every morning, collect it, and we didn't think about nothing. But, but to God, it wasn't an advancement. It was advancement to go into the promised land. It wasn't about provisions and God providing. It was about advancement. But they didn't have the capacity for advancement as long as they're looking at the problem. And they thought the problem prevented God's promise from happening to them. Hello. I'll say that again. I think that went a little bit too fast. Okay. But they looked at the problem and the problem they thought hindered the provision or the promise that God had promised them. But it didn't. Amen. Amen. Matter of fact, people ask me, well, how easy did you have it in the ministry when you started ministry? Easy. There's no, so you can't use those two terms, ministry and easy, the same, not, not in my circles anyway. You know, I can line up hundred ministers in here to tell you stories and make your hair stand on end. And we think, we look, as we get older, we look back now and we say, man, boy, did God really intervene. But we understand something. To increase your capacity, there has to be a fight. 
to increase your capacity, there has to be something that we sacrifice to the Lord, give to the Lord, so he can use it on our behalf because he has his thoughts or his plan and purpose for us are not of evil but a hope for a future. And our only hope for a future is God and what he holds for us. And if we keep backing off like the, like the evil spies backed off with a bad report, oh, I can't see, I don't know. And you might, what I heard when I started the church here in Key West, you can't start, you can't, you can't do a church like that in Key West. Uh, and then we, then we built the daycare. Christian daycare. And it was a, you, you can't have a daycare like that. You won't get, you won't get teachers. Uh, people, kids won't come. There was one guy I went, it was at the supply house. I went to get, and, and I was help, help with, the, with some of the project using my, my craft. But anyway, it was helping. And the guy says, he says, you want a lighthouse Christian cabin? He says, yeah. He says, uh, I'll tell you right now. He says, that thing ain't going to make it here in this town. I said, what makes you say that? He said, well, you, just won't, you won't get no kids. No way, no way come out to some place called Lighthouse Christian Academy. Realize where you're at. Yeah, I realize where I'm at. Also realize what God said. So then what happened, we opened the doors, and all of a sudden, first of all, we had like 35 kids. We just flooded into the doors. I mean, like they were waiting for this thing to open up. And I went down to the supply house. And said, you're the guy that said uh, that this wasn't going to work. He said, yeah, still ain't gonna, I still believe that ain't going to work. I said, well, we just, first day open, we had 35 kids coming through the door. I said, all, you know, with their cash in hand, I says, to help us, you know, with this. Uh, well, he says, you might get the kids, but you're not going to get the teachers. So that would, he looked like he was prophesying. But we did. We got to see, we had, I think one time we had, a, uh, we had well, we, what we grew to was about 80 kids with a waiting list, and we had a full-time staff of 11 people uh, to take care of that for something that he said wasn't going to work. I went back, I said, well, we got the kids, we got the building, we got the thing all set, we got the... Okay. I says, now what do you say? It won't last. Okay, <laughs> here false prophecy number three. It won't last. We've been, the, the daycare has been here for over 20 years. <laughs> it won't last. But if we crowd ourselves with all these thoughts, all this is set to do is limit our capacity. I, I say this to my leadership all the time. I says, Satan does not come in here with horns and a pitchfork. He comes in here with faces. Satan has a face. He has a phone number. He has a physical address. And he comes in. In other words, he comes in on people. <laughs> so which one are you going to listen to? The fact is, I also have God on the inside who's bearing witness with my spirit, who's trying to increase my capacity at the same time. Well, I don't know, man. I, I don't. And then we get into self-pity. Well, I'm not smart enough. Uh, I'm not good enough, you know, uh, you know I, I don't know. There's a lot of smarter men than me who can do this. Well, God isn't looking for smarts. That's true. All of that's true. But if he's looking for intelligence, he'll put you in a physics lab someplace. If he's looking for desire for heart, he wants a fighter. Joshua said this. He says, God has put me in charge. Joshua chapter 1, the Lord told me, he says, fear not. He says, be of good courage. I'm going to be with you. That's all he promised him. He said, now go do this. And as soon as he crossed the River Jordan, he said, that was it. The manna stopped flowing. They had the Ark of the Covenant. They brought it across. Now he split the River Jordan again. And each one picked up a stone and carried it across. And they built an altar as a remembrance to the future generation. Do you know that generation forgot that same day after Joshua died? They forgot about that? And limited our capacity again. Our capacity sticks in what we can remember God doing for us. Amen? I didn't tend to do that. But, so here he is. Well, there's giants in the land. And, and all the focus on all the things and all the garbage that's happening in our life is diminishing our capacity for God. So how do we expand our capacity? I can't end this sermon until we, we understand how we, we can do it. For one thing, can we get, get rid of what I call complacency? Because this is, the, this is the biggest enemy against the church right now. I'll, I, I mean, I'll, I'll discuss it with other preachers, but I'll tell you right now, the biggest thing is complacency. Does anybody know what complacency is? Complacency is this. Complacency is, uh, this is a, a dictionary uh, the Apple dictionary, whatever it is, uh, uh, definition. I took this out of the dictionary. A feeling of smug or uncritical uh, satisfaction with oneself or one's achievements. In other words, 
I'm so good I don't need it. <laughs> I may be good for some people, but church? Yeah, I don't need church. And what happens, they limit their capacity. All these things in, 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 in complacency. Uh, another, another word I like to use to is apathy. This is where they just don't care. But, but uh, complacency, I think, happens before apathy uh, takes a hold. Malachi, Malachi from 1 to chapter 1 to 2. I mean, Mal- the book, you can't read the book of Malachi without Malachi dealing with complacency. Israel was taken, they were so bad, they were taken half-blind, half-dead sheep and offered them to God for sacrifice when he was demanding the best. Why? Because that sheep-lamb sacrifice represented Christ. That was in the future. And Christ wasn't crippled, half-lame, or or half-blind as they were trying to present. And finally, Malachi said, enough is enough. Get back to serving the Lord the way you're supposed to serve him. And he put a stop to it. And he says, he says, you have robbed God. And where have we robbed God? He said, in tithes and offerings. He said, bring the tithes and offerings in the storehouse. And God says, he'll open up the windows and pour out a blessing. You know the scriptures of Malachi. Amen. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 9 says, he who is slothful, in his work is a brother to him that is a great destroyer. So basically, we have three kinds of people in the world today, even the church today. We have the faithful servant. We have the complacent servant. And then we have those that are opposed to the gospel. That's the three classes of people that we have. And do you know, according to Proverbs, that the complacent servant has more in agreement, okay, than, uh, with the opponent to the work? or the opponent to the gospel, than the faithful servant. Again, what's happened? Our, complac- our, 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 our um, volume, <laughs> our capacity begins to reduce in those things there. Praise the Lord. Help anybody this morning? Okay, I got a couple of amens. Uh, it got quiet right there. Don't make you nervous. Uh, Understand something. I, I got to make this. This is, this is my disclaimer. I shared this statement before. Let me share it again. Being lukewarm in Jesus is not a season. It's a devil. Being lukewarm in Jesus is not a season. It's a devil. Call it what it is. Because no place in the Bible did Jesus ever say, be lukewarm for a season. You'll get through it. It'll be okay. Never. Amen. Amen. It's one thing we have. Praise the Lord. <clears throat> Amen. There's sometimes, and look, this is my, is this my third closing? Don't I get three? <laughs> Look at three. <laughs> anyway, uh, sometimes we go as far as we can go in life. Uh, and I use, when I say that, I use Moses as an example. Moses goes to the burning bush. How many's ever got to a point where I don't know what else to do, but this is as far as I can go? Can't seem to go any further. How many's ever been there? Amen. If you've ever been a Christian, you've been there. <laughs> okay. Uh, Moses came across that, and he had just, had just listened to the burning bush. He just listened to God's command, going to set my people free. And on his way to Egypt, God stopped him before he got to Egypt. Because what he was supposed to tell Pharaoh is, you release my Israel, which is my firstborn son. God called Israel his firstborn son. The, the whole nation was his firstborn son. And he says, you release my firstborn and uh, for, no, it was from slavery. But when Moses went, he had his firstborn, which was Gershom, along with him. But what Moses failed to do is have Gershom circumcised. So God stopped him on the path, and Moses couldn't go do what God told him to do until he had finished the next thing he was supposed to do. Yes, sir. Amen. So I usually say, I says, I says, sometimes we get to a place where we can't go any further until we've taken care of business. Of course, it wasn't even Moses, it was Zipporah. And she wasn't too happy about it. She circumcised Gershom right there on the trail and threw the foreskin at the feet of Moses and said, you're a bloody husband unto me. Well, people don't understand what the English and what that means. It means he says, he says, you neglected the covenant. This is your job. And you've neglected the covenant and almost cost us our lives because of your neglect. Amen? As soon as Gershom was circumcised, which was Moses' firstborn, guess what? Now he could go. But he wasn't going to go and point a finger at Pharaoh's firstborn when his own firstborn wasn't even covered under the, under the covenant of Abraham. So how could he speak for Abraham when he wasn't even following? Listen, how could he speak for Abraham if he wasn't even following the Abrahamic covenant? <laughs> how can we speak for Christ if we're not even in covenant with him? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I know I could have gone all day before I preached that, right? 
one last one. This is my last and final closing. I got a minute and 10 seconds left. I'm going to use it. John chapter 4, verse 35, it says, Jesus says, Do you not say that there are still four months, then comes a harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white with harvest. Jesus isn't saying your capacity is in what you think you know, but it's when we lift up our eyes to the Lord, he gives us a new vision. He said, you'll say four months, but he said, I'm saying lift up your eyes now and look. What you thought and estimated is not the case. How many has ever misestimated some things? What you thought and misestimated is not the case. He said, so lift up. But I like that part because it's also in Isaiah 60, verse 4, about lifting up our eyes. In other words, look up. Get out of your normal uh, uh, mode and look up and see something beyond what you see today. Look beyond today. Look beyond tomorrow if you want to, but look beyond because what's, what's closer than you think is a promise of God. What's closer than you think is God's heart. Remember that absolute? What was the absolute I started the sermon with this morning? For, uh, uh, Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the thoughts I think towards you, say the Lord, thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you hope in a future. This is what God wants. He thinks about that every, every day as eternal. He never thinks anything different than you. This is what he thinks. This is an absolute about your life, that his thoughts, he's got a hope and a future for you. Regardless of what you've been through, regardless of problems you've had, we've all gone through them. This guy in the dive boat thought he could, he could, uh, he could shock me by his catastrophes. I can match him page per page. <laughs> and then one-up them as far as catastrophes. But it isn't about the catastrophes that come against our life. It's about what we do to overcome them and go on for the Lord. Yes, sir. Amen. Amen. Yes, sir. You'll never serve the God that you blame for your problems. You'll never increase your capacity for the God you ought to blame. To be all uh, this is interesting. Uh, uh, people won't have anything to do with church, won't have anything to do with God, won't have anything to do with work. Not, not you people, I mean, these are other people. Uh, and and, and they, 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 they don't do anything. They ignore him completely until some catastrophe happens in their life and all of a sudden, where's God when I need him? Where was he when he called you? Amen? Well, praise the Lord. Amen. My, I'm out of time. Hallelujah. Amen. How many got some out of this message? Oh, praise God. Well, praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Um, I believe that God wants to increase our capacity, not just to know stuff. See, we're knowledge driven. We're Americans. Uh, we, we, put, we put gold stars on our students that graduate from college that all they do is, is in, well, never mind, they, college. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, we put down those who work for a living and, and different, they, because we're all about knowledge and knowing things and degrees and doctorates. Nothing wrong with those things, amen? I have a degree, so there's nothing wrong with those things. But the fact is, is, is that isn't what God is into. He's saying he's in the hope in the future. When we put the faith and the trust in those things, then what happens is our capacity for God and, and the things that he wants to give us are diminished. Are diminished. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's stand to our feet. I'll close out the random service. After we're done with the live stream, which is they'll signal you when it's over, um, the altar is open. Oh, I say altar, but right here at the front. For any prayer, for any reason whatsoever, we want to come in agreement. If you're going through struggles, problems, situations, uh, healings, um, whatever. Or if you're standing in for somebody who has those problems, uh, we'll, 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 we'll lay hands on you also. Amen? Amen. I praise the Lord. One of the biggest enemies we fight in Key West, and I've fought this for 30, 31 years, one of the biggest enemies we fight is complacency. Yes, sir. I don't need it until I need it. I don't need it until I get past it. I, I, I wish I had a dollar for every funeral that I have attended. I wish I had a dollar for every uh, counseling that I've gone through when God tried to tell the person, come on, straighten out your life, turn it around, turn it around. And they, ah, I don't need it, ah, I'm good, I'm good. Man, I got success here, God still loves me here, ah, ah, complacency. Praise the Lord, complacency. Help anybody this morning? Amen. 
praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. There was a guy with part of this church a while ago, a number, number of years ago, and I looked at him and saw there was something not right. I talked to him when he was working around the church building, uh, did lots of work for the church, and um, I said, is everything okay? He said, ah, fine, Pastor, fine. I'm, I'm good, I'm good, good. Me and God, we're like this, we're like this. You know, and out the door he went. Um, about a month later, he put a gun to his head and shot himself. Amen. Left his wife and his son, and that's it. But everything was fine when offered it. Everything was fine. No, I got it, I got it all under control. I got it all under control. Amen. He didn't have anything under control. It had control of him. Praise the Lord. And what happens is that diminished capacity sneaks up, and all of a sudden we take the things of God, and we don't realize what God has done, you know, what, what God is about to do. We don't have a look for a future that includes God only for what our problems are, what come up, what's going to happen here and that. So praise the Lord. I think I'm preaching to everybody this morning. Amen. I even got a little bit of me in there. <laughs> Probably a whole lot of me. Praise the Lord. Looking forward. So understand preaching here is never a condemnation. Jesus doesn't, God doesn't come up and say something to condemn you ever, ever. There is no condemnation to those who are in Christ that walk by the Spirit, not by the flesh. So spiritually, there is no condemnation from Christ, but only a beckoning call to increase relationship with him. I said this months ago, we, we've been on this trek now with this church for a while, to uh, pray in the presence of God. Uh, the American church and most churches, they gather around a sermon. And there's nothing wrong with that. Jesus preached sermons. There's nothing wrong with sermons. But we're used to gathering so much around the sermon that we forgot to gather around the presence like Israel used to do. Amen. They used to gather because of the presence of God. We want to gather because of the word of God or something we can learn that will help our life become easier uh, or you know, less challenging or whatever. But no, the truth of the matter is, is God wants us. He, didn't want, he doesn't want just blessed with it, but if you look at Jesus and the way he walked, he was a perfect example of the Father. He was the Father in the flesh. The Word of God became flesh. The Word of God, this Bible is not just a book. This Bible is the flesh of God, uh, the, the understanding of God and what Jesus has given us. When we study this, we are studying the words of Christ. When we are reading this, we are hearing the words of Christ. Yes. Plain and simple. We're hearing God's words for us. And I see the, 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 I see the pages unfold to the loving Father who wants nothing but the best for His children. But I also, as a father, understand this. I understand the ache when the children reject. When the children push off or push aside, I understand the ache and the hurt of a father. I can only imagine what the heavenly father who is perfect feels the same way when we won't come to him. Amen? I've got years and years of wisdom. I say this facetiously, I say it jokingly, but I am an expert on marriage because I've been married to Diane for 50 years. Praise the Lord. You're supposed to laugh as a joke. There's nobody. I don't care if I, it was 150 years. You're still an expert. Because <laughs> just when you get all the answers to all the questions, they change the questions. I hate when that happens. Praise the Lord. Are we good? 